It's great to be here, everyone. Um, I am part of a team that leads uh, Woodlands Metro down in the city centre by the cathedral. And uh, it is wonderful to be able to talk to you about Love Running. Put your hands up if you've ever heard of Love Running. Okay, probably the majority of people here, you've never heard of Love Running. Those of you that have heard of Love Running and are here, maybe regret now that you're here. Because we're going to talk about Love Running. It's an amazing thing to get involved with. And tonight we're taking a little breather from the normal rhythm of preaching series just to do this special one-off, to invite one another to do this incredible thing. In a nutshell, we as a church are going to be running the Bristol 10K together for the poor, the oppressed, and the needy. We're going to do something fantastic, something powerful. Some of you are going to do something that you never thought that you'd able, be able to do. And you're going to go on this journey, and it's going to transform you and change you. I was with uh, St. Nick's morning and evening last week, and those guys are on board. They're all signed up. was with the morning services this morning with a bunch of parents who were just red-eyed, hassled, snot all over them. Uh, but in the dozens, they signed up. And we're going to do that tonight. Uh, I'm going to explain what that is. We're going to talk about love. We've already had this kind of amazing experience of God's love, that overwhelming, reckless love of God that, that runs after us and pursues us. And we want to really lean into that and say, what do we do as a result of that? So we're going to be having an opportunity to gather dozens, scores, hundreds of us to sign up for this thing this evening. But just the best way that I can give you to understand what Love Running is, is to show you a video that we've put together. Dave's on it, I'm on it, and uh, you might even see people, you might see yourself on this video. In fact, if anyone sees Christoph, our sound engineer, on the video, I want you to give a huge whoop and cheer and clap. Uh, so we'll watch the video, it's only two minutes long, and at the end, massive round of applause for everyone, and then I'll come up and we'll talk about it. As an experience, there's just nothing quite like love running. <laughs> Being with so many people with your red love running t-shirt on. There were just people everywhere. The buzz was incredible. <laughs> and you just get caught up in the occasion. I, I, I think it's worth all the training just for the day itself. Love Running brings together hundreds of ordinary people to run the Bristol 10K and do something extraordinary. It is so much fun and you will surprise yourself how much you enjoy running. The fact that there is a bit of suffering involved, that you have to push yourself a little bit, I think it can help you empathise with people who's, who are being pushed in all kinds of ways. Half of the money we raise goes to meet local Bristol need. The other half to support the work of IJM, the largest anti-slavery organisation in the world. We have the opportunity to move from being very self-absorbed and do something really positive for people who are far worse off than we are. It's a win-win. You get fit, you meet great people and it's for an amazing cause. The causes that we're raising money for are things that any person of goodwill would want to support. We want to say to the homeless, the vulnerable, the trafficked, you are not alone. You are not forgotten. Our love is running to you.
When I talk to people about love running, usually they will say to me, but I don't love running. And honestly, amen. Who does love running? I mean, some people do, strange people like lovers, but most of us, we look at something like this and we say, well, this is not my bag, this is not my thing, I'm not that guy, I'm not that person, I don't love running. Let me tell you the most important thing that you need to know about love running. It's not about the running. Love running is not about the running, it's about the love. It's about love running. It's about people who have a conviction that I want to see love with legs. I want to see love embodied. I want to see love running to where it's needed the most. I want to see love making an impact. We're going to look at love because love is the defining characteristic of the church. If you're new to faith here or if you're on the outside looking in, you're watching the stream, you're listening after the fact, And if you have questions about faith, about God, about church, you just need to know at the heart of it, it is as simple as this. It's all about love. In fact, we're going to look at one of the scriptures written down, one of the very last books to be included in the Bible, written way towards the end of the first century. Decades have passed after the church has been established. And what does this book say? What's the theme of it? Is it theology? Is it church practice? Is it going into the weeds about how we should be as Christians? It's all about love. It's about love. Because that is the heart and that is the core of who we are and what we're doing with this thing called church. So this is 1 John chapter 3. It says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. There are some of you, and that is all that you need to hear from this evening. Again, if you have questions, if you have doubts, maybe you're finding your way back to faith. Maybe you got burnt by church. Maybe you had things and experiences that turned you off, but you're trying to give it another go. If that's you, you may only just need to know this one thing, that this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ has given us everything. It is reckless love. It is love, divine, all loves excelling. It's the love of God that knows no bound, no limit. The love that would give of itself fully, totally, withholding nothing. Jesus laid down his life for us. And you say, well, what comes after this, Philip? There's got to be a next phrase. No, there's no but, there's no if. There's no Jesus laid down his life for us and this is how we know what love is. If we toe the line, if we live a good life, if we have it all together, if we understand everything, believe everything, never doubt. No, it doesn't say that. No ifs, no buts. This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, but you've got to behave. No, there's no buts, there's no qualification, but what there is, is there's an and. You see, the love of God, if you've experienced it, if it's touched your life, it can never just stay there. The true love of God always flows out. So there is an and. He says this, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. The love of God always comes into us and then flows through us. What does that look like? He goes on and he says this, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity 
on them? How can the love of God be in that person? So we are tremendously ultimately loved by God and out of that love we lay our lives down for those around us. And if we see someone and they're in need and we don't do anything, we don't have pity on them, well, where is the love? Now, I've got a problem with this verse. I don't know about you, but I have a major problem with this verse. This verse irks me. It irks me because of one particular word, and that is the word pity. Turn to the person next to you and say pity. Pity is such a weak, mealy-mouthed word. You say, oh, that's a pity. It has, it's just, just so impotent, so powerless. Or when someone is saying, I'm in need, I'm in difficulty, I'm vulnerable, I'm broken. Oh, I pity you. Is that really what the Bible is saying? It's about pity? This kind of condescending little emotion? No, the reason I have a problem with it is that the the, the, the word that John gives is so much bigger. It's so much better. And the translation that we have with that verse is, is not adequate. Because actually what John says, he uses one of my all-time favorite words of all time. It is Greek. It's the word splanknon. And it is translated, we'll come on to that. It's this idiomatic expression. And actually, if you want to get a little bit of a flavor of it, you need to go to the literal translation. And good news, the King James Version gives us a literal translation. So let's read that together. It says this. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and, read it together, shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Turn to the person next to you and say, shut your bowels. This is the word. This is what's going on. We're talking about a Jewish culture which is fundamentally different to ours. They see the world differently. They express themselves differently. First century Jew. In fact, their mindset, first century Palestine, everything is 18 inches lower than we experience it today. So instead of thinking with your head, you think with your heart. The Bible says, as a person thinks with his heart, so he is. You think with your heart. That's your moral center. That's where the decision making comes. It's, it's a kind of a, a heart thing. And whereas we would have the heart as the center and the seat of emotions, for them, again, it's 18 inches down. It is the bowel, the gut. Splanknon is where we get the English word spleen. And for the Jew, it was all about Literally, the visceral. It's a visceral emotion. And when Jewish people wanted to express the most powerful, earth-shattering, gripping emotion that they could come up with, they said, it comes from the gut. I mean, if you think about it, when someone does something incredibly courageous or brave, you say, wow, that really took guts. You feel it in your gut. We just had this whole thing about people getting pets and getting engaged and all of that stuff. But if you are in love, when you fall in love, you feel it in your gut because you have the butterflies floating around in your stomach and you can't eat and you just kind of feel it in here. Which is why in first century Palestine on Valentine's Day, 
Lovers would send each other cards with a little picture of 40 foot of long intestine with an arrow through it. Because you feel it in your gut. Splanknon. And there's a verb that goes with that, that again is my all-time favorite word of all time in scripture. It's splanknizomai. Splanknizomai literally means a wrenching of the gut. True story. That word in scripture is only ever used of Jesus or Jesus uses it of God the Father. Why? Because it's love, divine love excelling. It is a kind of love and power and passion that is so visceral. It is at the core and the center of a person's being. And with Jesus, the Bible consistently talks about him. His gut was wrenched with compassion and love. He sees the 5,000 and he is moved with compassion. He sees the people in Jerusalem harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He's moved with compassion. Sees the leper come up to him, moved with compassion. And here's the thing. Every time the Bible says that Jesus was gut-wrenched with compassion, it always follows up with, and he then did. Heal the sick, fed the 5,000, commissioned the disciples. It's a kind of love that actually works itself out. And the John verse here in 1 John 3 is saying, we have this compassion because we are made in the likeness of Jesus and we're filled with his spirit and we experience his love. And as we experience his love, that love has to come out. So whatever you do, don't shut your bowels. Don't shut down your heart. Don't close up your heart to those that are in need. Sometimes we look at the world and we just think these problems are intractable. We look at our situations, even in our own country, and we just say these problems, these homeless, these broken people, these snaggle-toothed homeless, they're just too hard. Close your heart. You shut down. But John says, listen, the love that we have actually has to move us. And that's why he goes on and he completes this paragraph with John 18. He says this, So dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And you say, what, wait, what? We don't say that we love people? No, 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 you can do that. It's not that you don't love with words, but you don't simply just love with words. You have to put it into action. And that's the heart of love running. It is literally love in action. It would be easy for us to make a response to the world and give money, write a check, do a bank transfer, put our hand in our pocket and give what we can. But actually love demands more of us. There's a great quote from Mother Teresa and she said this. She says, let us not Be satisfied with just giving money. Money is not enough. Money can be got, but they need your heart to love them. Back in 2009, 15 years ago, we looked as a church and we said, how can we show and express our love for our city in a way that people can tangibly see it? And how can we express love where we open up our hearts and open up the core of our being and we let the love of Jesus move us 
to action. We came up with this crazy idea. How about we enter the 10K road race? En masse, the people of God, in all of our glory, in all of our variety, how about we go into that road race and we raise money for the poor, the oppressed, and the needy? And initially, when I pitched it around uh, church team, there was a little bit of skepticism. We're a church. We don't do running. We do home groups. We do singing. We don't run. We don't love running. But when we began to share the idea outside and with more and more people, the kind of consensus came up, oh, this is just great. I could get my friends to do this. My friends at work, my colleagues would love this. They would lap it up. This would give us as church, as Christians, not only something to invite our friends to, but something that we could do together. We could hold hands and run in such a way that our love is on display for all to see. And we're not just giving something that costs us nothing. We're giving of ourselves. We had the idea, let's have 50 people running the Bristol 10K. Actually, we had 300 of us from Woodlands in that 2009 first time. We raised over 72,000 pounds. Half of it we gave to the city, the homeless, the poor, the needy. And half of it we gave to uh, international issues of social justice and development to face and do something to address the inequity within our world. We did uh, a thing with World Vision, supporting people in Zimbabwe. And uh, we went from there the next year, because it was in all the papers and it was a big hoo-ha, made a big splash. The next year, other churches around Bristol said, hey, we saw this, we want to be part of this, this is so cool. And so we had 600 runners the next year, we raised 140,000 pounds. And we've gone on from there, we've done it six times, We've raised 800,000 pounds. Nearly 3,000 of us have done it one time or another. And what happens is we start to see love in action. This is the kind of Christianity that people can experience. You've got friends who if you say to them, come to church, they'll say, no thanks, it's not for me. You say, how about an alpha course? And they will turn you down. You say, hey, how about we get fit? We get friends, we change the world. Suddenly it's a whole different thing. I'll never forget the first time that we did it. We, uh, it was just this big buzz. And actually you saw some of the footage from the very first race. That was a, a kind of collection, a montage of love running over the years. But the first time that we did it, at the end when everyone's kind of, they've, they've done it, they've peaked, they've, they've made their mark. Uh, we'd gone past the finish line. One guy comes up, he wasn't a love runner, wasn't a Christian wasn't part of it, but he found one of the love runners in their red t-shirts. And he says, you got to tell me, who are you? I mean, you guys, you're amazing. This love running thing, this love running club, it's just, I've never seen anything like it. He says, I can't get my head around it. I mean, you're young and you're old. We had an 84-year-old as our oldest runner. He says, you're black and you're white. You are fit. Many of you have overtaken me, but also you're, some of you not so much, and I've overtaken many of you. But every time I see you, there's this snap and crackle, there's this energy, and there's this 
zing between you and you're high-fiving one another and, and you're smiling and you're, you're encouraging and you're cheering one another and it just looks like the best running club ever. And please tell me, I've got to be part of this. I've got to be in with this. Who are you? The love runner says, friend, you'd be very welcome to join us. We're the church of Jesus Christ. He said, and I quote, oh, nuts. I hate church. I hate Christians with their judgmentalism and their holier than thou. I hate Christianity because it's boring, irrelevant, untrue. I don't like church. I don't like Christians. But I'll come. And he was there. I'll never forget seeing. He was literally sitting in the middle of the church on the aisle that evening, just a few hours after we'd done Love Running in the morning with the Bristol 10K. I had the joy over the next few weeks of baptizing him, of seeing him meet his wife and marrying the two of them, seeing him rise up as a leader within the church. We were just in contact uh, just uh, last, well, a couple of weeks ago. Still doing well, moved outside of Bristol, still going for God. Why? Because he saw love running. Not love just with words, not love just with truth, good and important as those things are, but love in a way that you could see, a visceral, gut-wrenching, compassionate response to the poor, the lost, the oppressed, the needy. We went, we went to Zimbabwe. I took my 13-year-old daughter. It was a life-changing experience for her. We were down deep in the bush. We were with this community that we'd been supporting through World Vision. And we went to them. We went into this one village hut. And I opened up my little scrapbook of love running. And I said to these people, I said, there are people and they live thousands of miles away from you. And this place called Bristol. Ah, Bristol. Yes, Bristol. And they love you. We showed them the pictures and they flicked through the pages. We said, these people that have never met you and you'll never see them, they went and they did something that they never thought they could do. Many of them vowed, I don't like running, I hate running, I'd rather, I love eating, har, har, har. <laughs> I've heard them all. But these people, they love you because Jesus has loved them. A few weeks later, we went back and we had a, a video to show them, a little bit like the one that I've just shown you. And uh, the World Vision guys, they only had one laptop and they were in this little school room that uh, they had and we'd actually built that school. But they took the laptop and people crowded in to watch this love running celebration video. And then the queues formed. We had just video after video after video. They kept rewinding it to the beginning, showing another group of people. And then another group would come in. Some people queued for two hours to watch that video. And they said to us, we never thought we were loved like this. And Christians with their friends. Actually, we always have a big contingent of the unchurched. Do you know, I said to my friend, it wasn't even a friend, if I'm going to be honest. It was an acquaintance. Some guy down the end of the road, see each other at parents' evenings and the school concert. 
I said to him, hey, we're doing this thing, love running. This is what it is. Get fit, get friends, change the world. We're doing the 10K. I mean, it's January, right? We all want to get into shape. Am I right? He said, Philip, I would love to do that with you. I don't want to just sponsor you, which is what you're asking for. I want to do this with you. Can I do it with you? Of course you can. Now that guy's one of my dearest friends. 15 years later, we still run every single Saturday morning, eight o'clock on the dot. We talk about our lives. We have fun together. We've become friends for life. Get fit, get friends, change the world. We say to people, if this is something that you think you can't do, we can show you how you can do something you never imagined that you'd be able to do. In fact, we do this whole launch seminar in February. It's going to be in about three weeks' time. And uh, we provide, we're working, with all, we're working with the great run company. We're working with the running shops. We're working with physios and, and people that can help. We're, we're going to provide running clubs and, and, and just we give you a training plan. And we say, here's the training plan. Are you ready? Day one, run for one minute and then walk for one minute. Run for one minute and then walk for another minute. If you can run and do that five times, so you're running for five minutes and you're walking for five minutes, well done, day one. Day two, take a break, you earned it. (laughs) But if you can do that, in 10 weeks' time, we can get you through the 10K. And what happens is that you begin to feel yourself changing. That's what happens when we train. We train ourselves for godliness. We train ourselves physically. Suddenly, you feel that you can go further and farther and faster and better than you could before. You find that you walk taller. You breathe deeper. You sleep better. And suddenly, things that you didn't think that you had within you start to become part of you. But it's not just the physical stuff. Something happens within your heart. You know, as we run this year, half of the money to go to the homeless, to the food banks, to women caught in the sex trade, to our partners that are working around the city. But half is going to IJM. Human slavery, you say. Well, it's 2024. Surely not a big deal. We abolished it. Actually, slavery is at a greater level today than at any other point in human history. 50 million people in forced labor. 12 million of those children. One of the largest criminal activities in the world today worth $150 billion every single year. Two-thirds of that sexual exploitation. You don't shut your heart to that. But you say, let me make a difference. Working with IJM, and you saw some of the kids there that have been rescued. And some of the criminal gangs that have been prosecuted and investigated and and mobilizing lawyers and police departments to make a, a tangible difference in our world. And all of this we do because the love of God has gripped us. I said we had an 84 year old runner. Actually, that's Mark. He was in the video. It's, it's very moving for me because he's, uh, he's no longer with us. He went to glory. But he was, he was our oldest runner. He was the kind of guy that says, hey, if he can do it, all of us can do it. I went on the Claire Balding uh, Radio 2 program with him. And uh, I was being very kind of professional and giving the good kind of PR line. And Claire turned to Mark and said, well, why do you love running? 
And Mark says, oh, I, I, I don't love running, but I love Jesus. And Jesus loves the children. This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us. And so we too should lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If you see someone in his knee and you shut the door of the center of your emotions to them, then where is that love? So let us love with words and with action. I love because Jesus loved me. He's taught us how to love. And that most wonderful expression of love, that splank nidzamai, that wrenching of the gut, the best example, my favorite example of all time is when Jesus tells a story. He says, this is what God is like. He's like a father with a wayward boy. The boy gets lost and he goes all kinds of ways wrong. But one day he comes traipsing down that dusty road, dragging his heels behind him, looking to be reconciled. And the Bible, Jesus tells that story. He says, when he was still a long way off, his father saw him and had compassion. He had the gut-wrenching, visceral core of your being response emotionally. What did he do? What happened? Send a little message. Got a servant to sing him a song. He ran. Old man running down the road. All the people coming out of their shops and their houses. Hey, old man, slow down. You give yourself a heart attack. You're wealthy. You're respected. You're a landowner. You don't run. It's undignified. You, You don't run for anybody. But he doesn't care. He's running down that road, beard flapping in the breeze. Sandals kicking up a dust cloud. He falls upon his son because love always calls us to action. So this is what we're going to do. In a moment, we're going to go to communion, which is the ultimate expression of God's love for us. But before we do that, I am unashamedly going to ask you to register your interest You don't have to sign up for it. You're not committing yourself to anything. You may find that, actually, I can't do it, and you you may have legitimate reasons, and that's all fine. And and some of you, you're just going to be on the sidelines with a little rattle cheering us all on, or you're going to put your hand in your pocket and you're going to give, or you're going to help in some other way. But for many of us, for dozens, for hundreds of us here this evening, we're going to put ourselves forward. And we're going to go for it. We're going to do it together. And actually, I'm not just asking you to do it. I'm asking you to bring your friend, your work colleague. This is going to be the easiest ask that any of you have ever had for church. And you're going to see lives changed as a result. So we're registering interest. And then I'll send you a little email when we open up registration, probably in the next week. And then you can take it from there and see where you get to. But what we're going to do in a second, we're going to put the QR code up, or if you've got the Love Running flyer on your chair, you're too far back to do the QR code, you can just punch into your phone, loverunning.info, go to register your interest, give us your name, don't untick the boxes. I've had people who say, I want to register my interest, here's my email, here's my phone number, don't contact me, which kind of defeats the object. But uh, we'll put that up. We'll take a little bit of time. So again, like Joe said, I'm going to give you permission to get your phones out. 
And uh, if you're not up for this, then that's fine. Just get your phone out, play Candy Crush, still look good. But for the rest of us, let's get this up on the screen. And we'll just give a little 30-second blip and uh, just punch in your name, your deets, and you're just registering your interest. Sometimes you need to strike while the iron is hot. And then when we finish this service, I'm going to invite you to take a whole bunch of flyers away with you. Put them in your uni hall. Put them in your department. Put them in your workplace. Give them to your friends. Give them to your enemies. Okay, you can carry on doing that. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to hand over to Tim to do the world's fastest communion because I've taken way too much of your time. But let's pray. Father God, I want to pray that you would help us. I pray that you'd help us to be a community of people who know down to our bones we are loved. We're loved by you. And that changes absolutely everything. I want to pray that as that love invades our hearts, we don't shut our hearts to the world around us, but that you move us into action. Keep us from just singing. Let us put our bodies on the line. Let us give of our sweat, our tears, our energy, our lifeblood. And I want to pray, Lord God, that as a result of what we do here, the ripples would go through eternity, that lives would be changed in the here and the now. Lord, that amazing things would happen and people that we never get the chance to meet will see their lives have been transformed and impacted by the love of Jesus. Would you help us, Lord God? In Jesus' name.